Welcome to CarePod, a safe place to educate, inspire, and renew the caregiver. Listen in with our host, Dr. Kipley Bell, as she interviews different experts along the caregiving journey. So I am really honored to sit with my favorite doctor of all time, the person who has literally crafted the trajectory of my medical career, either verbally or non-verbally. And we often joke that we're just in this love affair with one another because I have such utmost honor and respect for him. And I bless the day that God had brought him into my life. And so without further ado and without further tears, I welcome to the Care Pod, Dr. Warren Katz. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, oh, of course. And I think the operative word is one another, okay? <laughs> it, it, it's bi-directional. Uh, so I am absolutely delighted to be here. And uh, I will say, too, that my wife says uh, that there's never been a microphone that I've been able to pass by. Uh, so here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, thank you so much. So just a little background for our audience. Uh, I met Dr. Warren Katz. He was my first literal entree into my medical career path as his direct physician assistant in rheumatology taught me everything I know about rheumatology, created a joy and a love for uh, this genre of medicine and, you know, really just learn some very early lessons uh, that I think carry me to today. And it's ironic that it's National Teachers Week and I'm here sitting with uh, my mentor in medicine. So, you know, before we kind of go in, you know, primarily I wanted to bring you in because there's a lot of caregivers, a lot of older adults that struggle with arthritis, struggle with how to manage even a person with arthritis, their ergonomics, their day to day. But before going into that, I wanted to basically, you know, I always ask my guests their why, what brought you into this specialty of medicine and where, where you think the future is? Well, uh, the first part, uh, first the question is really easy. Um, and uh, I got into rheumatology strictly by accident, serendipity as so many things and, and even good things in life are. I had no interest in, in, in being a rheumatology, uh, a rheumatologist. And when I was in medical school, I had worked up two patients with rheumatoid arthritis who frankly were absolutely miserable uh, people, miserable because um, they had such severe ongoing pain, ongoing disability, and miserable because their personalities took on the same look as their disease. And I didn't realize it at the time because I was you know, a novice medical student, but those patients were that way because they were terribly mismanaged. Their doctor did not take care of them properly, and I won't go into detail on, on, on that unless you want, want me to. So uh, now, cut forward uh, a few years when I had to make a, a decision 
as to what I wanted to do. And one of the subspecialties, I'm an internist first and then a rheumatologist, but uh, one of the subspecialties of medicine uh, that I knew relatively little about was kidney diseases, which also nephrologists take care of kidney diseases, but they also take care of patients with uh, fluid and electrolyte uh, problems, as you are, are well aware. And it turns out that one of the world's experts were at the institution that I was at, the New England Medical uh, Center. I uh, wanted to have a fellowship in that disease, and I got a call from the head of the program, and they said, Warren, I'm really sorry you were our first choice, but one of the previous fellows decided to stay on to continue his research for a year, and I just don't have enough money. And so uh, uh, one of the people that I went to for a letter of recommendation uh, was a rheumatologist. And when I told him what happened, he said, well, why don't you go into rheumatology? And my first answer was, thinking of those two patients, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing led to another. And he said, why don't you go come over and take a look at our program and so forth. And the rest is really history. I fell in love, um, the specialty, and, and I like challenges, and it's a very challenging uh, field. I, I liked uh, the head of the program, whom, by the way, uh, after more than 50 years, I am still in regular contact with. There's no, like you are with me and me with you, uh, the same issue with my mentor, and I have tremendous respect for him, not only as a physician, but an individual. And, I love um, that. Awful lot of that. So I that's love a, that. a reason why I went into rheumatology. The future of rheumatology, uh, frankly, Kipley, it can be a, another podcast. Mm. Um, uh, the, 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 the real answer is I don't know. Uh, there's a tremendous shortage of rheumatologists. And as such, as in many other fields where there are shortages of, of, of physicians, we are going to have to depend on technology. And while I do not think, and as you know, there's a big debate about artificial intelligence and what role that's going to play in general, and of course, what role it's going to play in medicine. And I do think it will play a role, an important role, but it's not going to replace people. It's going to assist um, the the doctor, uh, the real doctor, in a way uh, that will be very, very uh, substantial. Uh, so that, that's that's really the the, the bottom line. Uh, I, I I think that in rheumatology, as in all fields, there's just going to be a tremendous changes taking place, and for the benefit um, already. We have such wonderful drugs to take care of patients with arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis being two of the uh, common models. Most older people do have osteoarthritis, wear and tear arthritis. And there, there's tremendous research going on, but we still don't have good drugs, as you well yeah. know. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I'm sorry. And they are in. They are definitely in the pipeline. And the technology 
that some people are against that very technology is going to be the technology that's going to help develop the, the, those new drugs and therefore give people less pain and more ability. Absolutely. So there's there's a few things you said there uh, that I thought were, were really poignant in terms of the misery of the way the disease presents itself. And, you know, this kind of collective misery of, you know, providers, clinicians being overwhelmed with patient volumes and patient tasks and the perfect storm of the patient's misery because of their disease state. You know, what do you think we are doing well and what do you think we can improve on uh, as far as your, your note to, you know, those coming behind you? Yeah, well, um, I, I think we are doing well in terms of the advancements that to date have taken care, uh, taken place in rheumatology. Uh, let me just back up one minute. Um, rheumatology, and, and maybe specialists in all fields will say this, but I'm only talking about rheumatology now. Rheumatology uh, consists 99% of really caring people, not just doctors, but doctors who really care for their patients and 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 feel for their patients and and have compassion and understanding and the need for care. There are exceptions to be sure, but I think compassion is really important. And compassion is the catalyst, the enzyme, if you will, that makes all the other medications, physical therapy, all sorts of treatments just be better. So that's, uh, so the fields of rheumatology since I've been in it uh, has really evolved in that way. And it's a very, very rare, I'm happy to say, and I still to this day come in contact on a regular basis with lots of rheumatologists and I st uh, and it's just amazing how you can just feel when they're discussing a patient, not only what can we do from this patient in terms of medication, but in terms of the non-pharmacologic management, if you will. How can you make patients feel better? Yeah. And I think we've become more and more skilled. Is there room for improvement? Absolutely. Yeah. And I honestly, I think that that's probably what has uh, bonded us the most is the compassion and heart for people, you know, that the that 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 is the art of medicine. So I think that's so important for our audience to pick up on to hear you say that, you know, you're meeting with a collective of specialists that still have a heart to make people well, because we have this narrative on our profession that, you know, doctors don't care, we don't listen, and, you know, we're brushing people off. And as you well know, there are that cohort of people, but it all, it all sectors of society. But I think to hear that, you know, sitting with your colleagues that people, you know, your colleagues and specialists still do want to make people well is important. So what are the tips that you would give caregivers on accommodating those with arthritis? 
because oftentimes, you know, arthritis, some forms are the most common form are pain that you can't visualize per se, you know, hence that, that misery and illness that, that you spoke to earlier. What are the tips that you would give to families and caregivers uh, in those supporting patients with uh, arthritis? Uh, well, number one, uh, just like uh, it's important for uh, physicians and other healthcare providers uh, to uh, give a patient's compassion, it's doubly important for family members and friends and, and so forth uh, to recognize uh, what the patient is saying. And when they have pain, you can't say, oh, well, you don't look like you're in pain. Or how bad can the pain be? You know, there was a, a French surgeon in the 1930s. His name was René Lariche, who said, there's no pain that's so easy to bear as that of someone else. All right? Think about that for a minute, all those who are listening to this uh, podcast. So we can learn from that, and we have to accept the patient's pain. Are there patients who exaggerate their pain either consciously or unconsciously, absolutely. But we can't assume that. And the first, our first response has to be, this is real pain. And I will tell caregivers that the expression of your care and the recognition by saying, I really understand how much pain. Now that requires a little bit of doing, to be honest, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but just watching the patient and the struggle they have and, and try to understand and then translate what you've just learned and say, I understand how much pain you're having. And then the encouragement, but I'm here to help you and I'm here to help you connect with your professional caregivers and translate your discomfort and help you translate your discomfort um, uh, to them. Um, there's, a, a, there's a lot more, I mean, there's certain real keys um, about what patients could do for their own arthritis. And I'll get back to the caregivers in, in a second. I mean, being active is extremely important and I, we'll get back to that as we go, go along. Staying active, exercising, trying to on the one hand, recognize how much discomfort, yes, you have, but try not to let it get, uh, get you down. That's hard to do. I'm not saying you can't. But on the other hand, you don't want to surrender your, to your disease and say, regardless what kind of arthritis you have, oh, I'm going to have pain the rest of my life. I'm going to be in bed the rest of my life. No, no, no to, uh, to, to all of that. Mind over matter. We, we all know the uh, expression. And somebody is, is listening and say, oh, it's, um, it's all right for you to say, Dr. Katz. Well, I can tell you, <laughs> well, I've been a patient myself, all right? Mm -hmm. and I have applied to myself the same things that I've taught my patients, and, and very fortunately, and thank God, uh, that has tremendously helped me and maybe even cured me. And by the way, I have arthritis too, and I have osteoarthritis, and I have osteoarthritis uh, over all over my body, okay, and in my neck, my 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 spine, my knees, my my hands, and um, 
I'm managing, I'm active, I'm doing the things that I want to do every single uh, day. And you look marvelous. What? <laughs> I said, and you look marvelous. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so, so what is your legacy? My, my legacy is more uh, to my family. And uh, to, to that extent, and you know this already, I am um, writing my memoir. And um, uh, there are some people who would say, oh, you're writing my mem your memoir because it's an ego trip. It, it, it's turned out to be, it, it was never an ego trip for me. It just happened because I, I've learned that another uh, family member of mine, much older, was writing their memoir. memoir and I said, that's really terrific because I know so little about my, my, my family. And, um, well, and I said, for those who want to read it, uh, let them read it. And then I, as I got into it, I said, boy, there's a lot here in terms of passing on to my family, my belief systems, okay? Uh, some of the things we've talked about, the need to be compassionate, the need to con uh, connect uh, with, with other, other people. Uh, one of the things that I do now, and they don't have to read my memoirs, my grandson is um, 17 years old, and I've been taking him out to breakfast and then to school ever since he's one and a half years old. Well, he wasn't going to school then, but eventually he went to nursery school. And I've been doing that for 17 straight years, and now his sister is 14. So I'm passing that as a legacy of caring. And you know what? If I, if I would seem to forget, they would be in touch with me. Just want to make sure we're going out on Friday morning because it's I love it. <laughs> far more important to them at this point than it is. And my grandson said this, and you're not going to believe this. And Somebody is saying, well, what's Dr. Katz talking about? Well, it all relates to the, the peopleism, whether it's your family or others, and the connections and how you can help other people with, with their feelings and feeling good about themselves, which translates to feeling better. So my grandson said to my wife, he said, not only when I have children and grandchildren, Am I going to be doing the same thing? They call me Poppy, as Poppy's going to be going. But we're going to invite him to come with, along with us. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. So, yeah. So, so uh, I I think um, that what I don't know if it's the right term or not, but that's what we've been calling it: the non-pharmacologic. And let's be specific, the psychologic aspects of arthritis in all forms, uh, despite the technology that I talked about before, is going to be more important than ever before. And if I can pass that along, I'll have uh, considered it to be a good day and a good life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, with the pressures that young people are facing today you know what do you find are the matters of your grandchildren's heart when you meet with them weekly what's what's first and foremost on their minds and how do you 
uh, insert and craft their outlook and perspective? Well, uh, I will tell you that um, there are two of my grandchildren, and I actually have a total of nine grandchildren, and each of them is, is quite different, but each of them shares the value system that we're talking about because uh, my wife and I passed it down to our children and they fortunately, um, and I do want to underscore fortunately, fortunately have passed it uh, down to uh, to their children. Very different, but they do um, share all of them in very, very different ways, uh, this value system of not only how they take care of themselves, but how they can take care of other people. So all my grandchildren, and except two five-year-old twins, okay, <laughs> they're, not, they're not there yet, okay. Uh, but, um, you know, whatever field they're in, I have, I, I have a grandson who's an attorney, I have good, one, two of them are in real estate, they're all in, all in, two, in, in, in different areas. But on the other hand, they have really become successful people, per, people persons, okay? Mm -hmm, that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's very important. My son is uh, also in commercial real estate. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of smarts involved in, in, knowing, in knowing the business, but his personality for him is the secret of his success and is caring for other people. I've heard him even on the phone with his employees. And I'm saying, wow, uh, he, he handles his employees just, just terrific with, with such re respect. But on the other hand, with firmness and educating them in every conversation he has. Absolutely. So, yes. I, I think it is. It's all legacy because it, it 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 not only crafts their character as human beings, as you said, but it also uh, determines their behavior in a professional space. And I think it's it is an acknowledgement that our personal and professional lives intersect in that matter and and impose themselves onto our workspace and conduct. So I think that's so brilliant and and important. It's important work that you're doing both professionally and personally for your, for your, the legacy that you carry. Well, so thank you for that. But can I, Kipley, before you say what you're going to say, <laughs> um, you, you, you mentioned some, uh, one word that I have not mentioned before that is so key and central to everything that I currently believe, and that's character. And, and character uh, can be defined in in different ways, but it is a certain degree of self awareness of other people, and also the willingness to make sacrifices of different kinds for other people at your own expense sometimes. And if you can do that, okay, that really makes you a fine individual. And there's some people, some, I, I've had this discussion before with others, and some say, well, you know, you, you are who you are. You can't teach character. I disagree. I think you can. I think, yeah, basically people, personality is very developed by the, by the, by the time at least they're in, in their teens and 20s. But you can improve it by teaching 
hints on character and making some and, and demonstrating how you can make sacrifices. You agree? Absolutely. And more so, you know, what you have taught me is the giving of your time. You know, like even for now, for you to say, yes, I'll sit with you. I will be a part of your podcast is tremendous that I'm sitting with a world-renowned rheumatologist who happens to be a significant mentor in my life who said, yeah, I'm going to give you some, some of my time. And so that does pass on. You know, like last week I lectured in rheumatology. There was a woman who said, I know you must be so busy, but I would be so happy and honored if you would be willing to mentor me. And frankly, yes, in the, in the scheme of time and tasks, it is a sacrifice, but I would be, I would dishonor myself and those who have taken the time to pour into me to not do that for her. And I think that that is the whole thematic of everything of, of what you're saying in terms of, yes, you, you have, you have spoken to your personal sentiment in terms of the legacy that you're leaving your family and the time that you're investing in your grandchildren and children. Uh, but it is all, it's all relevant. It's all important. And it does bear witness to the care we give to the patients we serve. So, wow, I love myself some Dr. Katz. <laughs> and I love you too, Kipling. <laughs> and, and, any final notes? Any final notes for our audience? Uh, uh, the, the only final final notes is that, is that arthritis is not a disease that I take for granted. The overwhelming majority of people, uh, and we have an aging population, the overwhelming majority of people are going to get arthritis, and arthritis can be painful. But I want to be, uh, again, extremely uh, positive, and that it, it's a hurdle, but it's a hurdle that you can go over, around, or through. Uh, but you can you can make the necessary adjustments. I will end with just a quick anecdote. Um, I had a second cousin who was my patient, and she uh, was 100 years old. And uh, one day, and she had arthritis. Obviously, that's why she was seeing me. And she goes right through my waiting room and is uh, waiting for me outside the exam room. And as soon as I opened the door, she said, Warren, 100 years old now, Warren, don't keep me waiting. I have too much to do. I have a bridge game at four o'clock today, but before then I have to go uh, shopping for some new clothes and uh, get, get some food. I said, come right on in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a hundred years old and she she wound up dying at 105. Isn't that a Wow, yeah. wow, that is, that is. Attitude. Absolutely, mind over matter. Yep. Well, thank you so much for sitting with us at the Care Pod today. And I'm sure that our interview will bless so many. I hope so. And thank you for inviting me and hopefully we can do this again. Absolutely, absolutely. Great information right from the source. For more information on how to caregive like a boss, check out impactfulcaregiving.com. Want to be a guest on the show? Contact us at carepod at impactfulcaregiving.com.